Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert layman Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. In this episode, we'll talk about closers, who's been good, who's been not so good, who's for real, who's not, and who will likely turn it around. We try and answer the question, which closers can I count on, and how do I know? But before we get to all of that, Alexander, how you doing? You know, not too bad. Um, it is quite nice here in D.C. and has been to kind of start out the week, which is, uh, you know, just always nice. So, uh, you know, baseball is an outside sport. I realize we always talk about the weather. Um, <laughs> right. We do every time. It's OK, though, because the last time it wasn't so nice in D.C. It was thundering. And as I was editing, I could hear that we could hear it. Uh, it was definitely uh, weathering there. So I'm glad that the weather I is I bring this up for a very particular reason. Um, over the weekend, it was <laughs> still not nice. And uh, we had a couple uh, Bowie Bay Sox games uh, get rained out. And I was planning on going to one mm-hmm. because I have this um, sinking feeling that um, some of the better players for uh, the Bowie Bay Sox are going to get promoted to AAA Norfolk soon. Mm. And they are going to be on the road for the next two weeks. Um yeah, yeah and miss I'm them. worried I'm not going to be able to see Adley. Uh, so we'll see. Got to get out. Got to go. Got to go. Yeah, I'm busy for the next two weekends <laughs> anyway. But uh, you know, as soon as uh, as soon as they're oh back in town, I'm really excited to go see them. So book it now. Make oh, sure yeah, you yeah, can no, get I'm, in. I've, I've got my eye on a, a Wednesday <laughs> game actually. Ah, uh, nice. Uh, nothing like midweek baseball oh, yeah. if you can get there. Uh, I love those summertime games. Uh, very lucky as a teacher to be able to have that time in the summer to be able to go. And um, there's just something special about about like I think a midweek game. It it brings me back to my my uh, adolescent days going to Paw Sox games as well. Uh, wrote a whole thing about that. You can find it on Pitcher List. Um, no need to dwell on that at this point, but uh, it does. There's a little bit of a nostalgic thing and a, and a romantic thing I think to those midweek summer. Uh, sun's coming down, lights are going on, kind of games, pretty cool. So I hope you get, I hope you get there before all of the talent is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they've got a lot of guys who are um, in high A also who might make it to Double A soon. Um, Grayson Rodriguez just got promoted, um, so now they've got Deal uh-huh. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez with Adi Regiment behind the plate. Um, they are like a pretty good Double A team right now. Um, I would think so. Yeah, notably the Norfolk Tides, who are the Orioles Triple A team, are not good um uh, yeah you know, uh. that's what happens when you're trying to develop <laughs> talent rather than just like keeping it sitting and ready to go um yeah there's been a big shift though over the last i don't even know 10 15 years i remember like i said when i was going to those paw Sox games a lot of the talent lived at triple a and now it almost feels like triple a is the holding tank and double a is the development uh for a lot yeah of that doesn't seem like it's kind of a thing because then like once you know a guy's actually good you know you still have that like we can screw around with the contract move of like, oh, he still hasn't seen AAA yet, even if AAA is just a lot of guys that are uh, kind yeah, of... Yeah, 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 yeah. Must work yeah. on defense. Or a lot of pitchers who are kind of like pitching for their, yeah, I'm still healthy and viable despite being, I guess 34 is not even old, but you know you know what I mean, right? Yeah, 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 right, 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 right. Um, yeah, like I said, a holding yeah. tank kind of. So um, eh, anyway... Um, we are going to talk about closers on this episode, so I think it's probably best if we jump in, um, and I, I can't start a closers episode without talking about Mariano Rivera. It kills me as a Red Sox fan to talk about a Yankee with admiration, but how can you not? 
so my question for you, for our bell ringer, is how in the world was Mariano Rivera so dominant with basically one pitch that the entire stadium knew was coming and they still couldn't hit it? So um, I want to just note um, that Mariano Rivera uh, debuted in uh, the 1995 season, um, which is technically after I was born. Um, in that I was born in 1995, but, but just yeah. technically <laughs> February. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I cannot say that I was really all that like watching of many of his, uh, most sure. important innings. Um, but I love it when you make me feel old, Alexander, it's, uh, it's fantastic. Cause I was 15 when he made his yeah, debut. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. A little fast math for all y'all. I, I think. I can really appreciate a handful of things about him, though. Um, first and foremost, I really love cutters. Um, as a pitch, mm-hmm. I really, really like cutters. Um, I often joke that sliders are just, like, cutter change-ups, um, <laughs> which is, like, not fully, but it's, like, somewhat true. Um, and I really love that as a pitch. The thing is, like, really, it's a, it's not quite a slider in terms of movement profile, but it's, like, you know, they're cousins. And if you had to pick one pitch to be the only one you threw, it's probably the one I would pick. Um, there are a couple of relievers yeah. who get by by throwing like exclusively a slider, and they, they have a fastball that they will throw faster than that. Uh, I think though that if you're going to be like an idealized version, um, a cutter makes a whole lot of sense because um, it's really hard to hit. Um, it can mm-hmm. be thrown Clearly. very hard. Yeah. Uh, so you get kind of like the movement profile that's kind of usual because like not a whole lot of guys are like straight cutter guys. Uh, Kenley Jansen uh, actually is like a modern reliever who's pretty close, but like not quite right. Obviously, he does like secondaries that he incorporates in as well. But, um, you know, people don't get used to seeing it. It's fast. So timing it compared to other relievers isn't like exactly easy. Um, no, it's just got a bunch of really good things going for it. Uh, he was also just really good at like location. Um, so like that's part yeah. of it you know he's a guy who walked um for his career to batters prime um that's a career um walk rate uh let me go ahead and pull that of 5.6 percent. that's definitely below the average i mean lower than the mlb average like that's above average <laughs> yeah. in terms of skill um but he was only like right, a career 23 percent right, right. strikeout rate guy um the whole goal was to frustrate you into hitting it into the ground um Right? Oh, and sure, right. Breaking the bat. Yeah, and exactly. And, and that's the sort of thing where you're like, yeah. if you can get your location, you can be a little bit deceptive. You can stick around for a while. And I think that's definitely it was. Um, you know, there are some other pods I like to listen to who like to jokingly refer to the entire league's um, like spate of like relievers as just all Jose Alvarados who just throw it 100 miles an hour right down the middle of the plate and hope <laughs> for the best. And uh, you can definitely see how a guy who was not that um in many of the best ways stuck around for a while so um yeah people should throw more cutters uh yeah sliders should be referred to as cutter change-ups once in a while um <laughs> kidding like i always am and um yeah you know i did never rooted for the yankees a single day of my life um i never had an allegiance necessarily as a kid growing up in dallas but there was no part of me that just wanted to root for the yankees because it felt good to be a winner because uh, um the thing is um all the Yankees fan kids in my grade were really annoying. So, you know, I learned early. Mm, yeah. It was a social oh, yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Rivera, I think, um, you know, obviously a generational talent uh, and maybe using him as, as like the, uh, the example for anything is a little silly, but definitely couldn't start a closer episode and not at least kind of mention him and, and acknowledge his unbelievable dominance. I, I do wonder a little bit if he were to debut 
this year and wasn't throwing a hundred, um, you know, would he, would he be given the same opportunities? I mean, you'd think so because he was so effective, but I don't know. He doesn't really fit the mold as you're talking about. We'll anymore, talk about right? some guys later on today for sure that are in some ways modeled after him and that like they wanted to pitch like him probably. We can only assume, right? Yeah, why wouldn't right? you, right? If you're a kid coming yeah. up, that's who you who you're gonna emulate if you're gonna yeah. be a closer. So absolutely, I I do think that uh, we're you're gonna notice what category they fall into. Um, I'm not gonna tell you who they are mm-hmm. just yet, but uh, um, let's say that um, I think that his mold is something that people should want, and it is not an easy one to fit into. Uh, but even just an approximation of in some way um, is something that is worth chasing, and uh, it's an easy. Maybe it's just so hard to be effective that way that if you can throw a hundred, you might as well just. Yeah, do that. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think it's, that's it's interesting. Sort of thing where it's like, you know, if you can throw a hundred, you're gonna make it in the bigs. Uh, you may not still be in the bigs when you're not throwing a hundred. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, when your UCL finally exactly, cries uncle. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and but like, you know, isn't that the goal though for a lot of people? They want to play professional baseball. Yeah. Um, right. Sure. Yeah, they get to wear the uni and, and uh, you know, get out yeah. on the field. So that's true. That's fair. It's a fair point. Um, all right, let's move into our number of the week. And this is interesting, and I think it bridges the gap between what we were talked talked about in our last episode and what we're going to be talking about in this episode because I'm going to bring up some ERA and ERA estimator numbers. Um, I want to tell you the number is 2.05 and I found this to be really interesting and I'm just going to let you kind of wax poetic a little bit about what this means or doesn't mean or which elements you like and which you don't and kind of re-explain the the construct of some of these these um, stats just as kind of a refresher uh, but also a segue into what it is that we're going to be talking about today. So Liam Hendricks, ERA, XERA, and XFIP are all exactly the same at 2.05 exactly the same as of the recording of this episode uh tuesday night 8 33 eastern daylight savings time uh all exactly the same so what does that mean and how does that factor into what he's doing on the field uh, Matt, you're clearly cherry picking by leaving out his other estimators Duh. <laughs> um there was one that didn't match um, yeah you have me wanting to pull this up so i probably will and, the, and yeah. but obviously the fact that you have you know, like the stars aligning in this sort of way is meaningful in one particular way. Um, it means that they agree, um, and it that makes it yeah. more and more <laughs> unlikely that they um, are lying, right? Um, basically, sure. if you want to answer the question, has Liam, Hen- Liam Hendricks been good? Um, the answer looks like yes. Liam Hendricks has been good. Yeah, right. Um, I don't think that's shocking analysis to anyone. Um, I do like these tools for different <laughs> reasons. So you brought up XFIP. Um, I don't like that one. Uh, I think we talked about this very, right. very um, lightly, and I had someone like comment and like asked us if we were mean enough to XFIP. Um, so yes, yes, yeah, yeah, thank you, Max, for that. Um, but yeah, yes. the reason why XFIP, I'm going to kind of like trash this first before I kind of like get into the other ones that I'm going to like more and talk more about today is like, especially for relievers where like the samples are going to be really small. You want to pick out the things that are absolutely the best at telling you about the future um, while also giving you an accurate picture of the past. XFIP is not as good as its competitors at telling you about the future while also not being very good at telling you about the past. Um, you know, basically, <laughs> you just take not yeah. super so useful. We started last week with FIP, which is basically like how good is your ERA if the only things we know are home runs, strikeouts, and 
walks. Um, and it's really good at right. being accurate about how good you have been uh, and then correcting for kind of like some of the noise. That's why we like FIP as a how good has this guy been? And then we can kind of tinker with it based on home park, et cetera, et cetera. XFIP takes that same idea, substitute home runs for fly balls, assumes constant home run to fly ball raid, which is wrong because <laughs> some people get right. um, just absolutely hammered harder than others. And some people give up fly balls on purpose, right? If you're not giving up fly balls on purpose, then right, you're going right. to have a low um, fly ball rate. But you probably also, if you do give them up, things might be bad. Whereas if you're giving up a lot of pop-ups or kind of like it's technically a fly ball, but it's only about three. 250 feet pretty frequently um that will mean that your fit probably looks a little bit worse so you know different guys can be trying to do different different things and part means something there so basically i just take xfip shake its hand wish it well um and it's nice to know though in this case though <laughs> that it happens to be aligning with both era and um xera which is by and large a pretty good descriptive stat i don't actually know as much as i wish i did about how predictive it is but you know it, it's based off of Statcast like X Woba and basically turns that into a number um that tells us how good an yeah, ERA would yep. be. Um I kind of like it as an idea where it does its job as X Woba for like trying to estimate Woba first and then basically just rescale it. So it, it's not like perfect because it's not trying to be perfect in this application. But right. basically it's our best run at like here's what the statcast said this guy should be. Um and then we also looked at a couple other things. Uh Sierra uh, we looked at in a little right. bit more detail. I like Sierra a lot of as like the thing that's semi complicated in terms of the numbers. Um, if you hated the quadratic equation in 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 like algebra two, <laughs> I'm just gonna say that like um that is uh, really simple compared to Sierra, which is kind of impossibly esoteric on purpose um, because it's really good at telling us about the future as non statcast. It's not old. Like, come on, th this thing is, like, still kind of, like, young enough that, like, it might want to have, like, a Transformer theme, Transformers theme birthday party. Like, Sierra is not that old or anything, right? Um, <laughs> I like the context there. That's, that's um, But still, it, it's, it's a stat that tries to, like, do more mathematically, which makes it a little bit harder to kind of, like, convince people of. Um, but it's pretty good about predictability. And basically, I like to say, if you're going to try to make a new ERI estimator... And your goal is to predict the future. You have to like to clear the bar for me to care. You got to better be better than Sierra. Um, like if you mm. can't clear that, then the idea you're starting with probably isn't strong enough, and you need to change things. And why? Why if you're not as good as something that already exists? Yeah, well, the community doesn't really need well, it's it. It's not just right? that, but maybe it's like you've got something and like you just haven't like built it properly. But like the the, the logic is good, right? Um, I would say like okay, Sierra sure. is my like your logic being good has to at least get you over this hump um and then maybe if you have like some weird denominators and stuff like you could have a little more fuzz around the edges but yeah so to get back to the qu question here that i think you asked um is liam Hendricks good yes um but i would care more yeah. about the fact that his <laughs> xera is good compared to other things um let's see his i just thought it was fascinating that they were all the exact same number i don't know if that oh, happens normally or if it's sure because not. something else we're going to talk about here in a second is that relievers uh, have much smaller sample sample sizes um, compared to starters, and so maybe it's just a factor of of that. I don't know, but I as a non um, numbers guy, as somebody who doesn't look at numbers and read them like a book, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that all of those agreed with each other, uh, not even like closely, like exactly. Um, I, thought, I don't know. For the present record, his two six two um, FIP as of our recording 
still good um let me pull that sierra uh yeah did you hear that library of congress that's for the permanent uh, yeah, record sierra uh 152 yeah so um i would say uh, liam Hendricks probably still gonna be good tomorrow um is my best guess yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i don't I mean again i wasn't bringing it up to say like oh, oh i'm worried about him i just thought it was absolutely fascinating that those numbers were all exact especially after what we talked about last week and how we get to those numbers in different mm-hmm. ways for them to be exactly the same i thought was oh you know, yeah like i said I'm, interesting. I'm just messing with you because it's fun of course yeah why not why wouldn't you um, all right, let's let's get to our central question for this particular episode, which is we're going to boil it down basically to this. Which closers can I count on and how do I know? Um, not necessarily the easiest question to answer with uh, with certainty. Obviously, closers are, are difficult to nail down every single year in terms of who am I going to draft? Who's going to have the job? Who's going to keep the job? Uh, even the role itself has evolved and changed so much, even over the last five, ten years in baseball. Um, so it's, it's hard to nail down, but we're going to try. And by we, I mean you. Uh, so I'm going to start with this question, this question, why would relievers just to start, uh, not necessarily closers, but relievers in general, uh, what challenges do they present that we don't have when we're trying to analyze and evaluate starting pitchers? So one of the things about being a reliever, um, is that you often get there. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just pure stamina, but often like, if you're a two pitch guy, you end up in the bullpen, right? Uh, which means that yeah. like uh, nights and night, you're gonna have some more volatility. A lot of these guys do. You're gonna have it, or you're gonna not. I remember watching Emmanuel Classe just not have it on the night of the Wade Miley no hitter and turn mm-hmm. a nil uh, nil ninth inning ball game into a three run. Uh, like we know how this is going to end, and thank God it's not going to extras <laughs> situation. And he's been good this year, but you know he just had a night where it, he throws really sure. hard. Uh, and that's another part of it is like a lot of the more erratic guys end up there. And then we combine that with much smaller samples. So the possibility that things just might not click once in a while, um, just mm-hmm. widen the error bars and then give us less time. Um, so typically if we're yeah. talking about like how long <laughs> it takes to like start to trust pitcher stuff, like um, we're about to creep up on like 60 games here uh, within the next two days. Uh, yep. So like end of this week, or so this weekend, uh, we're going to be able to get just a flood of think pieces and stuff about, like, you know, the 60 grain season. This season yeah, compared yeah. to last, right? I'll be part yeah. of it. Um, <laughs> I love how you say it with disgust and then just jump in with both feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this is gross. And I'm going to be part yeah. of it. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no. Like, it's going to be just so much content. I'm actually really interested to see what everyone busts out. Um, but we're also going to see some dumb stuff. Sure, yeah. We say that, though, like, 60 innings was about enough time last year for us to start to believe games. whether or not a starting pitcher was good or not. Like when we talk about like some of the, we're talking or games or innings. I just oh, want to clarify uh, in terms of the, the, the number of innings that starters were throwing last year. Like we could. Okay. So 60, no, not, 60 not 60 innings, like um, 60 games worth of innings, whatever that is for like a starting pitcher, which uh, okay. I think. All right. So just, we're just going to make this very crystal same, clear since we both bounced clear. back and forth, right? It's like 60 games worth of pitcher yeah, no, For starters though, that turned out to be about 60. It was the thing. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Like, well, yeah, we're talking about 50, yeah. 60. We're, you go every fifth day, you pitch about yeah, five yeah, innings. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> there we have it. Um, yeah, exactly. Like m- most starting pitchers are pitching somewhere between 150 and 180 innings and 162 games. Wow, that worked. Uh, yeah, right, 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 right. Um, but yeah, like we got like, you know, around 10 starts or so from a lot of guys. And it was about if they pitched the whole year and 
they were like the same guy the whole year, then we could start to believe it. Remember, like we weren't sure at the end of last year if Corbin Burns was legit or not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turns yeah. out, yes. So yeah. think about that. That number of innings, roughly sixty or so, is how many we would get from a reliever in a full season. We were getting like right. fifteen to twenty-two ish innings from a lot of relievers last year. We are sitting yeah. somewhere in that range still for a lot of guys. Not even if you add last season to the first 60 games of this season, you're still not at a, an actual full baseball yeah. season. Liam Hendricks, in the past two seasons combined, through tonight, through right the second, has uh, pitched 47.1 innings. Um, yeah. Now, there are some reasons to trust in who he is. Um, and we have seen a lot of kind of like the uh, the sausage getting made uh, through Codify's Twitter account, actually, because they love to show off how good a job they did for their boy it's just <laughs> night and day. um just, just want to note here like just because it's so so ridiculous uh in 2018 and basically every year the year before that you know Liam Hendricks had a um a k minus bb rate that topped out about 20 which is really good by the way but you know he was hitting 11 percent difference in uh 2018 he was a guy who's like fip or xtip or whatever else kind of like would wobble between like and there were some seasons with like high fives there's some seasons in the threes and twos but he wasn't like truly who he is today yeah. um he's been like a two era or better guy for three seasons running now we can kind of believe in that at this point right but it's taken a while um there were still people heading into this draft season who were like yeah who knows maybe he'll suck all, all of a sudden there are some people last year when they're drafting who were like yeah it's one year and he sucked for a while we have so many roadblocks to knowing whether or not we should care about whether our guy is good. And then there's just like the dumb roto stuff about like, is a guy going to be a closer and is he going to be good at closing and is he going to get opportunities and all of that just really frustrating stuff. Um, like I'm talking, yeah. it's, it's either frustrating by design and you like the randomness or it's just frustrating and you hate it. Um, and I think that, um, hopefully we get to actually talk about that a little bit more towards the end but i just want to say either way sure um if you're playing in a roto league um there's just a lot of reasons why um evaluating all this stuff is so difficult alex fast has written plenty about how like we draft closers really poorly and we're really bad at evaluating value um i yeah tend to draft in the way that he prescribes even if i sometimes disagree with all of the methodology not or like probably like mm-hmm. like not all of it probably if i deal disagree with some of the methodology about how you'd measure that right you know right. because like at the end of the day like we can make a couple exceptions for a handful of guys right like was there a closer that you really wanted to target in gra- drafts this year uh no because i hate <laughs> okay. i hate it <laughs> so i'm in that camp i i, I really like I, I actually wound up with a bunch of um really good closers in places and maybe it's just because overall people are kind of fed up and they fell you mean like um, high but value I, you know, like it, high adp guys but you still got them put yeah yeah yeah, like yeah. 150 yeah like the the haters okay. you know i got hater in a couple of places um jansen you know the going into drafts there was like maybe five guys that you could feel confident were going to have the role and probably keep it all year so it was pretty slim pickings. I think a lot of people like went away from it, which is why I wound up with them. But normally, I don't target closers. I just take what I can get and try and be really active on um, waivers. Yeah, I was um, really into the way that Oakland had been managing their bullpen even before Hendricks's breakout, and I was just so mm-hmm. excited. And I cannot even remember the name of the dude who I was spending like pick one twenty five on, who was supposed to be Oakland's closer. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> and that's a little bit embarrassing, but I'm just going to walk straight past it uh, because I think that's where yeah, we're at. Well, but that's the thing with closers. And I think that's it, it underscores the difficulty and the challenge. And yeah, sure. Some people might like that because it's random and, and it, it, it gives them a chance to separate from the pack if they happen to be right. But I hate it because it's it, it just gives me stress when I'm trying to construct my team. How much do I want to invest in this spot? And if I completely ignore it, that's not great either. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's part of the part of the deal. I get it. Uh, I'm not angry with it. I just I I um uh, it's not my favorite element. I don't like that that for steals either. I, I don't like steals for the exact same reason. Cool. So with all in mind, um, we are still in a league are together and we are many leagues separately we have to care <laughs> yes. about them and i also will say um as a non-fantasy entity i am super fascinated in um relievers uh i really like baseball players who exist in the extremes right like the dudes who are league average in a lot of ways tend to be really disinteresting to me even if they're like fascinating people i like the dudes who are like doing something that's way out there right it's like there's a reason we like uh williams Osudio. um there's yeah, a reason right. why yeah. I like Joey Gallo. Uh, those are very opposite people in terms of approach, right? We end up sure. with a lot of that when we look at relievers' arsenals and their stats and everything else. Like, there are no days, just a joy, right? Yeah, I, I'm actually pretty fascinated. This was an idea. I'm going to give credit here to Kyle Brown, one of our pitcher list colleagues, does uh, the On the Farm uh, pod, hosts that, does a great job. Uh, and he posed a question that totally fascinated me in terms of like a new stat that would better capture relievers and a, a larger swath of relievers so that we weren't so reliant on the save. For some of you, that might sound awesome. And for some of you, that might sound awful, but it really intrigues me. And, and how can we have, I think he posed it as kind of like a, a quality outing or a quality appearance or something that's kind of like a, a, a corresponding stat to a quality start. And I, 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 if we could come up with something so, like that, personally, I would think okay, it was super Okay, so cool. I'm going to make us feel really bad now. So um, I think, I don't know if it was literally Nate Silver, but there's a 538 piece from a while ago. It's about goose gossage and basically about the goose egg. Yeah, yep, the yeah. goose egg. And I think that's yep. kind of like in line here, right? Um, It's similar. I don't think yeah, it's I agree. perfect, like, they're but all a little it's, bit yes, wrong, right? it's definitely yeah. capturing the essence of what I'm getting at. I, and I love the thought process behind it. Um, because there's a lot of value in, in relievers that aren't closers in real baseball. <laughs> there's a reason they roster so many of them. Um, and, and we're completely missing that and over, in my opinion, overemphasizing, um, closers and saves and all of that. And it's just, I, I don't know. I'd love to see something else emerge, but yeah. I so let's go over emphasize them some more now. Um, we've got a couple of different <laughs> buckets here, right. That we want to look at, um, yes. The first one that I was really, really psyched about um, were the guys who we didn't expect to be super good, um, but have actually been really valuable this year. Because I want to talk about the people who are exciting yeah. first. Um, and there's a guy that you had actually kind of just brought up before we got started. And I, I think I'm immediately gravitated to this guy a lot whenever I'm writing up my uh, bullpen depth charts uh, article that I write every week. Yep. Uh, and that's it. Uh, um, Craig, that's Craig Kimbrell. Kimbrell. <laughs> My brain that's just melted Craig Kimbrell. there. Um, just like a lot okay. of batters against totally him. That's, that's why we have show notes. Yes. Sorry. I'm like, my, my ability to read actually went away. Um, yeah. No, that's okay. That's why they're there for me to back you up. I, that was not me making fun of you. That was 
because I know that my brain uh, does the yeah. same thing. Yeah, I think he's fascinating because he's been both like the best closer in baseball and somebody that you could easily have cut at varying points of his closer career. And I would love your take on uh, what it is that he's doing now that he wasn't doing um, before. So- I also like him as kind of like a little bit of a case study, um, but I want to say just like as it will go for like pretty much every guy we're going to talk about today, everything is so erratic that there are, the cases do not apply to each other so frequently. That, that's kind of like going to be the gist. I want to make sure I just drop that down and then just point at that yeah. blob of goo frequently for the rest of the day. So uh, Kimbrel has had some funky things happen. Like remember that thing where he kind of just like didn't sign with the team, showed up to the cubs camp in the middle of the year and then wasn't good and then kind of wasn't good again last year yeah i think that it's really easy to imagine that that would maybe screw with your ability to be a professional baseball player um so i do think that that's like a not insignificant part of the reason why he hasn't always been super good um i think velocity has also been a thing for him and that's actually one of the things that we can kind of point to for everyone in the closer business is that more than anywhere else you know, if you're relying more on stuff than on raw command, your just yeah. tiny differences in how good your stuff is will really greatly impact how accurate you're going to be. So, well, your margin for error is way way less yeah. too. So, if we look at like his average pitch velocity um by year, right? Um 2017, he was throwing, you know, somewhere above like 98 miles an hour for his average fastball, right? Um 2018 I think he was still kind of like pretty good in 2018, but like not fully himself. It down, dipped down to 97. 2019, that was that he didn't get the everything started early enough year. 96. Last year, and also this year, he's been back up to 97. So, you know, you can also think like as a pitcher kind of ages, um, if you can kind of like stick at a, like a velocity level and not kind of like have issues with, am I actually throwing it as hard as I want to? I have to imagine there's just going to be a little bit more of like, I know who I am and I can just locate that better. Um, so I just want to say that's part of it for sure. Um, we've also seen him like kind of as things have ticked from that really rough 2019, he's been throwing fewer fastballs. He's just been throwing more curveballs. Um, he's gone like pretty much fully four seam curveball. Like he was a guy who would throw an occasional sinker for a minute, but he's just completely scrapped that. And, you know, at this point, he's throwing like 40%, like 42-ish percent curveballs. I think that's where he's at right now. Yeah, 41-ish. Mm. Um, yeah, that wasn't his bread and butter right. when he was originally. Yeah, eating. you know, he was more of like a, you know, like 27, 28% like a uh, curveball guy. So like you see a guy who's aging, going more to secondaries, but his fastball's also just been more reliable. That's like the analysis that's not really analysis for a a closer but you might think like how many different guys out there (laughs) who have had different blips on the radar where a pitch just hasn't been itself um or like you know whether that's fastball or you know maybe just a secondary kind of like slips in it a little bit because you know you stop gripping it the same way or whatever it is and for kimberly it's just like things got normal and like talented guy figured out how to pitch well in those circumstances yeah um you wonder too or at least i do i don't know if you do um, when you bounce, start bouncing around teams, I, I feel like certain coaches feel like they have to put their stamp on oh. you, no matter who you are, right? Um. And a little tweak here, a little arm angle there, a little mechanical blip here and there for somebody who is, again, making their money in the ninth where 
Um, there's less margin for error and mistakes are, are amplified by a lot. And then that can get inside your head, right? I, I, I do wonder if bouncing around team to team and, and somebody getting a hold of them and saying, no, I want you to do it this way. And that just didn't work has anything to do with it. I mean, maybe, maybe Craig will, will uh, come on the pod and let us yeah. know, but yeah, I um, hope so. In the absence of that, I can only, <laughs> I can only, it's only conjecture obviously, but uh, I do wonder how much of that tinkering kind of gets in the way of, of some of this yeah. stuff too. Now I, I'm going to be like super self-aware here. Um, I do think that there's definitely this like cultural thing among dudes who care about sports and this occurs just as much for athletes as I'm sure it is for very non-athletes or you know I I can I think you can occasionally <laughs> slot some coaches into that role where like the most interesting thing that you can be is a person with an opinion who someone hasn't heard before right so this is why you end up with dudes who will yeah. really r- loudly say things like you know um Tom Brady sucks or you know like uh, Clayton <laughs> okay. Kershaw was never that good right um and I think that like um one you will probably hear some of those takes about Kimbrel, and they're wrong. But also, you have to wonder, like, how many coaches out there just really think that they know way more than everybody else and are willing to kind of just, like, tinker yeah. around like this in some ways that aren't always perfect. That's kind of the argument, then, for, like, the more data-informed thing is, like, the dude can have that personality right. but actually just have something to back it up rather than be like, no, you yeah. should be throwing a yep. stiff-wrist football slider or something stupid like that. Because um, <laughs> it's new and I made it up and I need to make yeah, it Yeah, exactly. Myself. So yeah. I, I'm not saying that's it. No, to kind of, like, say, like, here's the other half of things. Here we have Kimbrel. He's done 20 innings, right? But one of the things about pitchers is that once the year gets started, you know who a guy is what his velocity looks like, who he's trying to be, things actually settle in rather quickly. So it's like last year's results versus the same number of results this year. Those this year results are something that we can trust with a whole lot more certainty, even though they're still not great, as long as you're mostly looking at the more predictive strikeout and walk driven stuff. And then just kind of like keeping an eye on the more contact focused stuff. And by any account yeah. you're going to look at, you know, Kimbrell has been really good this year. He's got... I'm going to say this out loud and I'm not going to believe it. A 42.4% strikeout rate, which is his best since 2017 when he struck out 49.6% of batters with the boss. Were you alive when that happened? Do you remember this? Uh, I was. Yeah. Was the 2017 season good for the Red Sox? Wait, that was, that was the Astros year, right? It was, I think it was the Astros year. I don't know couple of baseball guys not oh, knowing baseball. Anyway, anyways, yeah, I just want to say, like, just really ridiculous is actually what I want to get back to here. But, like, he's getting back yeah, to right. being like that. Like, his 32.9% K minus BB right, right now. Um, Like, he obviously achieved that in 2017, but he's only topped that mark twice in his career. So, like, by that mark, this is, like, on – he's showing, like, the third best by year version of himself. Um, Now, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. not necessarily going to sustain, but – you know, his home run per nine right now, which is not a perfect stat, but it's kind of indicative, is one of the lowest of his career. Is it going to sustain? Probably not. But hey, the ball's been dejuiced. So I just want to say, like, all of yeah. the going forward stuff looks really good for him. So he's a guy who has been good. He's made some changes we can believe in. All the narratives there. The stats back up a sustainable version of success. And he's not just, like, succeeding strictly because... You know, he's gotten the ball to be hit hard into a uh, right fielder's glove. 
So I want to say, yeah, right, right, right. There right, is right, like right. the full picture of the sort of stuff that we would hope to do for for a closer, right? And you know, kind of the last piece of the puzzle is like, have the Cubs been good enough? Yeah, mostly. Um, yeah, the, their division yeah. is not good. They have a winning record. The only thing they really don't have is a true ace, um, I guess. Um, yep. <laughs> well, that's where you get into the difference between somebody who's really good and what kind of save mm-hmm. opportunities are they even yeah. going to have, right? And and that's something that's way beyond that pitcher's exactly. control. Um, talk a little bit about Mark Melanson, maybe like the shorter version uh, before we get into the, the opposite side of this particular coin. Um, what's up with um, him? He's been exceptionally lucky in terms of opportunities. But the Padres are also really good. I want to say just a couple other weird things. The Padres offense hasn't been like stupid outstanding all of the time, but they have a really good deep like pitching staff, right? They've they've had a pretty good bullpen, even though everyone's been hurt all year. So you may think like, how are they winning their games? They're not always, though they are frequently, but they're they're not always winning like 11 to four or something like that, right? So that version of being good also tends to lend itself to a few more what you would call save opportunities, even if some of them have been two or three run opportunity like saves. But they're yeah, letting him yeah, pitch yeah. frequently. They're frequently getting opportunities. Um he's been the only guy. Is he gonna get this many chances going forward? I'd say that there's a little bit of like luck, but he's also in like the ideal of all ideal circumstances. Uh so I just want to say like that's the first thing. That's how you get to 17 saves um, through uh, the not even 60, like 55 games. Like the dude's yeah, yeah, right. just been really, really lucky in that regard. Um, he's also been by pretty much every measure, the Mariano reversion of er, Rivera version of good. Who is Mark Melanson? He's a command cutter guy whose cutter command looks good right now. Um, <laughs> Wow, I can't believe you just used Mark Melanson and Mariano Rivera. They are in the not same the same guy. Non-ironically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you can see how someone who's trying to be that <laughs> has a really good year where things Right, have... as a mold, as yeah, a model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, let's see if he can do it for 20 more years, right? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> 20 years, I don't even know how old he'd be don't, at that don't point. Don't make but... me answer that question. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he's been really, really exceptional at inducing weak contact. He's been, um, for a guy who, like, also tends to kind of like limit locks and all that's gets a actually a fair number of strikeouts it's not like an exceptional but for a guy who gets like mid 20 strikeouts um his like 50 percent or so of balls being like weekly hit like i'm talking like hard hit rate on stat cast but like let's take it under 95 out of pas he's gonna like half of his batters faced or are turning their opportunity into just like a ground out or not a silly ground out, but you know mm. what I mean? Right. Like a weak hit ball. Right. In right play. Yeah. Um, and that's really good. He's doing like the combination of strikeouts and weeks it if really it's, high. Yeah. If it's a repeatable skill rather than just yeah. dumb luck, that's then that's, the yeah, exactly. Spin, right? And he's, he's shown that a little bit before his pitch mix would tell us that he needs to be doing that correctly. Right. If you're throwing yeah. the hit them into the ground weekly pitches, that's happening. So yeah. Um, I would say like, is he going to be the greatest closer of all time? Uh, no, but um, I would <laughs> no. say I'm, I'm not like looking to trade high immediately on him because he's probably still going to be one of the five best fantasy closers in baseball for the rest of the year by virtue of playing for the San Diego Padres and pitching reasonably well. Uh, yeah, and having those yeah, opportunities, exactly. right, so, right. That makes sense. All right, let's go to the other side of the coin and the, some of the guys who we thought were going to be amazing and have not. Let's start with... Uh, um, Will Smith. I think that's a great place to start with that that uh, 
yin to the yang or yeah it's funny how they've been kind of like stuck together and then they get separated a little bit and the guy (laughs) who i don't think most of us would have like bet being the more valuable one has been more valuable and here we have uh, will smith the baseball reliever version um being I, i okay so he got dropped in this 10 league uh or 10 team league that i'm in um which kind of confused me actually because like <laughs> he's always in my write-ups he's getting a lot of strikeouts and i realized he had like out of five games he'd given up an earned run to like three of them and you know people just rage drop right like, yeah um if you play sure. daily it's way easier to do that and then weekly where you're like oh yeah you know he always gives up like a good earned run or two a week and you're like mm, but he's still got some saves and stuff right um but he got dropped in this league and um i was an idiot and i didn't pick him up um in time uh, <laughs> i can't remember i think this is one of those where like it was just waiver priority and i didn't try to use my waiver priority on him it got cute and he got picked yeah up. yeah um he was carrying like a, a mid fours era at that point um he did not deserve to have a mid fours era at that point yeah. all of the strikeout and walk sort of numbers looked really good for will smith at that point i know because after I didn't pick him up, I went and checked because, again, I make great <laughs> choices. So I want to like. Yeah, you wanted to instantly. Yeah, so I want to pull out a couple just things that are funny for him. Right. So he's at this point, a couple more appearances. It just takes so little time. He's down to a, a 405 ERA um, and he's got a let's just cite a bunch of numbers and interpret them after the fact. A 309 X ERA, <laughs> a 242 um fip he's got a 366 x fip whatever but that's still lower than his current era um you see where this is going he's got a 308 sierra he's doing a lot of things really well um you know his walk rate's been a little bit higher than the past couple of years but his strikeout rate's back up above 30 percent and on and on and on yeah Yeah, so he's basically pitching like a guy who should be good his estimators show that he could should have been good and a couple of balls have uh i think it's really just kind of like a matter of like he's had some blowups right uh, rather than being consistently yeah. a guy who just gives up solo shots he's had like a couple of days where things have just gone sour or some funky things have happened on some weekly hit balls and that'll give you yeah for a couple days at a time an era in the mid fours and make you feel bad yeah well that's true i mean if it all happens in one game it as a closer, it doesn't really matter all that much. It gives you an ugly ERA number, but if you take that game out and the next 10 have been great, it's an inflated ERA number. Um, and that's that's where averages are problematic, especially when you're talking about a stat like a save where if he was terrible last week, it's a blown save, but ever since he's been able to get the, you know, finish the game, it, I guess you. this goes back to our original question is how do we know, right? How can we count and how do we know? These are, are numbers that are indicative of Will Smith by the end of the season probably being a, a really reliable reliever, uh, somebody who hopefully starts to pick up more saves and get more opportunities. But yeah, the, the, other, the other side of that coin, the, right? How do we know? The, the other part? side of the coin is just like can we count on Atlanta to like get their stuff together and win some baseball games? Um well, yeah. it's important. You can't save a loss. So, yeah. yeah. And, and he's... <laughs> now, I, I, I was at actually one of his more, like, dominant and, like, all right, let's go home now um, saves. It's just on the road. Um, <laughs> uh, of course, uh, you're in DC. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's been like that most of the time when he's pitched. It's just once in a while some flicky stuff happens. He's got, to note here, uh, 67.8 um, left, point, or left on base rate which is the lowest since 2016 for him. Um, 
So obviously, you know, when like a third of the people you allow in base end up scoring, that's going to maybe inflate your ERA a little bit. Um, now, sure. Like, but is that sustainable? Uh, sustainable is the wrong word. But is that what's the most likely outcome that it stays that it or that edges that's up to the high being 70s, influenced right? by yeah. a fluke? Yeah. yeah, right. So like I will say, though, if you want to like if you were trying to look back on his past couple of years, there's been some really funny things that have happened just by virtue of like small samples. So he pitched 16 innings last year. He had a 100% left on base rate. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably going to Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, he still had a 4-5 four, <laughs> ERA last year uh, because he had a lot of balls leave the yard. Um, he had a 3.94 home run per yard nine last year. <laughs> so it's just like things yeah. regress, and that doesn't always mean good things, and it doesn't always mean bad things. So, uh, yeah, Will Smith is, I right, think, just right, like right, a, right. a really good example, I think, for me of like, we can make bad decisions as managers whenever we don't just actually remember to do these things instead are just like in the app for like Yahoo or ESPN or whatever. You make all your decision just by sorting by some category because you got to yeah, find yeah, you guys because right, you're right. sitting there bored and want to make a drop because some dude seems like he's <laughs> not good. <laughs> yeah, right. Or you're frustrated because you're losing games that you don't feel like you should lose or losing weeks, I should say, that you don't feel like you should be losing. And I got to make some sort of – I have, feel helpless. I got to do something. Yeah. Uh, I get that. I feel that way a lot, but um, you know, sometimes the what's the better part of valor? Uh, <laughs> making sure that you're not doing something dumb. Um, I don't think that's exactly how the saying goes, but I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, let's talk about some of these platoon situations um, because that can be really, really frustrating, and, and to know which person to invest in. So uh, we've got Cincy, Tampa, Oakland here on on the, the show notes on the rundown, and I'm going to let you pick where you want to go first, Cincy. I want to spend the most time on Cincy, but I want to just kind of like give a like a quick note on Oakland Um, and that they've been kind of just like going back and forth and just letting both of their co-closers like have a week at a time almost. Um, I think the defense (laughs) better. Um, And I think that a lot of people have kind of reflected that he's been pretty good past couple of years. He's kind of old and has a different approach, but like um, they're pretty good about letting good people pitch in important situations. And somehow they're also like not terrible. Um, I think that Oakland will probably have a few. <laughs> it's like Oakland. Think... Oakland's tagline. Oakland Athletics is not terrible. Yeah, yeah they're <laughs> respectable enough. I mean, they they were leading the division by like several games at one point with like a negative run differential. Um, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that the thing there, though, is like that's a very different situation than elsewhere. And I wanted to bring it up kind of like as a this ain't normal sort of situation. Um and it, like you know, it seems like they were just kind of like trading off a little bit. I don't know if that sticks forever, but it was kind of just a funny note, uh, and it's just kind of like the sort of frustrating. Where you're like, all right, um, if you benched Diekman, uh in one week, and he had got like three saves, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you would start him the next week. Uh, just yeah, really yeah. Funny. Uh, so I just want to say, like, sometimes yeah. people do funny things, um, and they sort themselves out for the most part. Um, and I don't want to treat that like I want to treat the other places where injury and dude not being good have kind of been the reality um let's start with cincy um did you have amir garrett on any teams going into this year i didn't for you. but um <laughs> i think i well i yeah. uh, not because i wasn't willing to take him i think other people just beat me to him me quite honestly he had a lot of helium going in um and i think it was reasonable i don't think it was you know misplaced but it obviously hasn't yeah i think that's kind of like he's an example of a guy who is really gonna get highlighted by some of my processes for who i like to go after and who might tell me will be Mm -hmm. good going forward um so cincinnati has kind of like a closer and then a fireman but sometimes 
so TJ Antones like looks maybe like he's almost Josh Hader right now. Um, I don't, mm, I don't yeah, say right, that right. lightly. Um, TJ Antone is first among all relievers in uh, CSW per PA, which I promise, I promise, sometime soon you're gonna get five thousand words on me on why <laughs> that is the stat that we should care about. We're gonna get fast on the pod here to talk oh, about I, it before you write the uh, write the piece. <laughs> I've been waiting until I had sixty games of data this year so I could like do all my fun things with it. Yeah, we're gonna get that here in a few days, and then I'm gonna write this piece. But like, long story short, for all the numbers I've already run for it, basically. If you want to like be able to estimate someone's strikeouts and stuff like that, which is what CSW is trying to do um, for the most part, like, that's why it's good at estimating ERA is because it correlates to strikeouts faster. Per PA evaluations look like the better. Anyways, he's the best reliever in the league by that by a margin in that metric. Mm. Um, if you want to know who's been good about that in past years, um, guys like Devin Williams have shown up pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, if you want to take a list of who's been good in terms of starting pitchers relievers it's just going to give you the best guys at the top in terms of like dominant strikeout throwing arms um and yeah tj antone is right there um lucas sims is also up there yeah um, i should also note he's the current real closer there um mm-hmm. lucas sims does not have pretty numbers necessarily though um and if you go dig in what's happened well they both kind of pitch half the time in great american launchpad um yeah, and that's yeah. it's just going to kind of permanently make things a little bit messy um but I started out this because who was really good in this almost all of last year and finished the finished the year like top twenty five among all relievers, Amir Garrett. Um, and what happened? Well, he wasn't himself. He didn't have the same command. Some things were about off. I, he's also a guy who I think gives it all emotionally every time he pitches. So I think that like maybe there are some days where that um, reflects itself in terms of just like having it and being willing to just absolutely go for a humiliation strikeout in some bad ways but it also might mean that like you don't have it and you're frustrated and try to go for the humiliation strikeout to get yourself back on the track so, yeah 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 yeah. a little tin cup moment. yeah so i i'm cheering for Amir garrett <clears throat> to be clear i love watching him pitch because it makes me excited um to see what's going to happen next um and also i just think that like um we should be willing to kind of embrace some people who are like he's not a heel but like he's got some like heelish qualities about yeah. Him. yeah he right? does it's cool yep. it's fun um it's yeah it doesn't it doesn't give you like it the, does not help the, my um, eras by the way my ratio <laughs> no no it definitely doesn't who am i thinking of he's not a uh, uh, puik you know somebody like that it's it takes it too far but so he's got a little bit of yeah. that in him but it's almost like respectable like a like a it, it it's interesting because you can you can appreciate how much well, yeah, he it's like on field passion and like i think the disrespect is like a really good thing sometimes in sports where it's like a, it's like as a fuel and it's like a you know like i want to embarrass you i want to humiliate you i want to beat you really badly <laughs> i think that feels great sports moments i don't think that he's got any of like those sort of like <laughs> off the field heel qualities that make someone like genuinely right it's like it's like kind of get into some weird like non-baseball things about him i want him to sure, succeed that's okay my process is csw stuff uh really said this guy's got it they're gonna give him a chance after they shipped off uh Rysela iglesias to um anaheim is that technically where it is i i have the sneaking suspicion this that anaheim is secretly like a front for some other town that they're in so that the los angeles angels of anaheim <laughs> of somewhere else anyways orange county they don't need to work a third name into it <laughs> anyways he's often in, um in, in anaheim and um here they are with this kind of a mess of a bullpen I want to say, yeah. if you're trying to figure out whether or not they're worth owning at all or whether they're good, it's always going to come back to those how good are their strikeout and walk numbers because that's 
the only thing we can ever really trust. Uh, and CSW yeah, is kind of the basis of that, point. right? Yeah. It's kind of like the it's supposed to be yeah. the bleeding edge of strikeout stuff. And um, you know, um, TJ Antone, if you're in like a holds league or like a points league, go get him. <laughs> like he just looks so yeah, good. Yeah, I've had him. Yeah. I he's a, a big part of my strategy in even in in leagues with saves is to just get those high ratio high leverage guys that may slide into the role but even while they're not they're getting you strikeouts there might they might be pitching two innings at an outing so they might be getting you a little bit more than another reliever would so i do have him in in several places um and i you know i you mentioned something and i'm gonna push us here into our pass fail segment because we've had to skip it i still i don't think we're gonna make it to our off the books again which is the park factors tool that you so badly yeah, want to talk I about i think and we, we will can probably get spend just a tiny bit on this pass because we already talked about it so just bleed us into it yeah 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 um so what i want to hear from you is and i just put this out there like uh pass fail holds yeah do, do you I, like i'm this fine with stat? that I think that holds are a great counterbalance because the, the thing about them is um, they still happen less than saves do for like the really, really elite saves right. guys. So it kind of just distorts things where talent for strikeouts and ratios matters more because the bottom end is a little bit better, right? The 30, yeah. 40th best reliever in terms of like a save and hold league um, mm-hmm. is better than the 30 or 40th best reliever in just a save league, right? In terms of like the number of right. saves and holds you can get from them. And that means that more of the value that we actively care about ends up being ratios and strikeouts. And that's, I think, where you want to land. Now, are they perfect? No. Are they silly? Yeah, they kind of are. But it's a sort of silly <laughs> that we can kind of all just kind of like shake hands, take a deep breath. And um, I mean, Victor Gonzalez has been really good in holds this year. And it's really funny because he's kind of just like Lugie. Yeah. Um, and I roster him in a league. And it makes me yeah. laugh in a fun way. It's it's weird. Sure. I think I'm good with it. <laughs> the thing I wish about holds, and I will say I'm giving him a pass too. I, I like it. I, I'm in a, a league that moved to saves plus holds. I really do prefer it. Um, maybe part of it is because I, I hate having to draft for saves so much that it gives me a little bit of an out. But those people who still go for saves tend to still win that category. Yeah. Um, More opportunity. Week to week. So it, it's, yeah, right. Exactly. Um, the one thing that drives me nuts is that if you're going to call a hold, I don't think your team should have to have the lead. I think if you come into a tie game and, uh, don't give anything up that that should also be a hold. Um, but alas, uh, they don't I care actually agree I with think. you there, yeah. but I think, I think it's, it would, it's unfair to say that you come into a high lever situation where the team just doesn't happen to be ahead and it's not a hold. Um, all right. Well, then we've carved out some space, Alex, and I don't want to shortchange it, which is why I was kind of saying we'll push it. But if you want to talk a little bit about this tool, so this would be off the books. So this is a total segue away from our closer conversation. Um, but the the Park Factors tool, talk a little bit about it, what its uh, function and purpose is, what, what's going on with that, and why you, uh, I'm, I, I'm assuming, like yeah, it. Yeah, so basically it's an attempt to solve um... – with a little more sophistication and a little bit more um, like liveness to it. Uh, the same problem that uh, Dan Richards uh, set out to solve a while ago, whenever he was trying to figure out like which parks have been best at turning barrels into home runs or non barrels into home runs. Mm-hmm. I think Alex Fass kind of looked into that as well. Um, and basically Tom Tango and the, the team at like savant were like hey let's actually just do this um so what it will tell you is that um like 
you know, we're t- typically looking at park factors in terms of like how many runs they allow, which is kind of imperfect because there's like multiple different ways you can get there. And the really fun thing about this tool is it'll tell you basically like on an adjusted, like a, if 100 is average and like 120 is a lot more and 80 is like, it's like 120 would be like 120% of league average. Really easy. So if you go look at this yep. page and you can actually break them out park by park and there's a whole bunch of other features, but what it'll do is it'll tell you if a, if a park is giving up more home runs than league average. Um, if a park then separately gives up more singles or doubles than league average hits overall okay they'll even talk to you about talk about like strikeouts and walks um you can see some really interesting things into BABIP in general so basically it just breaks out all of the different ways that a park can influence offense um and it's really interesting that the trends that emerge are really obvious when you see them and really fun so the parks that have a ton of lawn mm-hmm. essentially give up a ton of singles <laughs> and doubles the parks that are like smaller or that play at really hot temperatures especially you see this like uh yes. camden yeah that makes ton sense. of home runs the parks where you know like if the way that it suppresses runs is by like having a really thick atmosphere you might have both fewer singles and doubles and home runs you see that a little bit for san francisco um you know mm. the kind of like it's got a huge lawn and it's really hot so the ball still leaves <laughs> or like the, the, the air is really thin. So the ball still leaves like quarters is like up there for everything, but you can right. just kind of like start to see like, how are these parks similar? How are they different? You can see the narratives and how they affect each other. And it's really interesting. The only thing it lacks is directionality. Um, and that's one of the things that Dan Richards piece had done really mm, well is it broke out yeah. lefty versus righty stuff, which is just, I think so essential. Yeah, that is yeah. pretty big. Um, and I, and I think that could be incorporated uh, in the future. Um, so I'm not leaving that out, but I just want to say they, they got all the data. They did a really good job of cleaning it up and displaying it in some really, really cool ways. And I plan on citing it um, whenever we want to talk about, you know, like guys who end up getting traded later on this year, inevitably, um, because it's yeah, just a really, okay. really good yeah, tool yeah, for yeah. that. It'll tell you exactly what you can kind of expect in terms of like the broad stuff. I think especially for pitchers, um, we can kind of get a feel for it. like if, if a guy's like a fly ball pitcher and he's moving from, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right, right. So we did a park factors episode, and this is a tool that has emerged since we did that mm-hmm, episode. Mm-hmm. Kind of like yeah, so, almost a response, um, new. if you will. Not quite. I have never that <laughs> Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, we heard that episode that Matt and Alex did, and now we have to come out with this tool. Um, so go check that out. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take just a moment here to encourage uh, those of you who are, are with us still to send us some emails and send us some questions on Twitter. We'd love to be able to do kind of a mailbag and, and go back over some things that we've talked about in the past and uh, see how things that we've said before have panned out. Uh, so please do uh, send send us those comments, those questions. Um that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Um, uh, anything else you want to add here, Alex, before we, uh, we sign um, off? I think the only thing that I really, truly want to add um, is that it's been really, really fun to see who, like, 60 games in has been doing really well. And just, like, as we're starting mm-hmm. to, like, really get a feel for, like, we can believe it. The number of guys who have been just doing really well this year, and it's been fun to track, has been really high. And I want to say, like, as we're... Um, one 2020 season worth of baseball done or so it's been a good short season so far and i've enjoyed it yeah it it has it's not been uh exactly as we expected um and and it's been different but that does make it engaging makes it frustrating sometimes but it does make it engaging for sure Uh, we're here like ready to debate here in the future like uh shohei otani and vladimir guerrero jr for, for like al mvp that's 
I realize that yeah. part of that is that Mike Trout isn't playing baseball right now, but part of it is that they've been really yeah, good. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, they've been really good. Yeah. I, I would, I actually want to hear the 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 uh, arguments for Shohei Otani winning MVP and Cy Young, Cy Young independently. That, <laughs> independently, that would be fantastic if we can get there. Not because he's been such a dominant pitcher, he deserves both, but because as a hitter, he deserves the MVP, and as a pitcher, he deserves the Cy Young. <laughs> that would be a, that would be be a, a fantastic world, I hope we can get ourselves there. <laughs> all right well thank you so much at home for joining us for listening alex thanks for being a part of this one as always and if you could go ahead and let the people at home know where they could find us well they can find you on twitter at the corked mat i'm on twitter at chase underscore rate and most importantly you can find our podcast on twitter at dugout study hall where you can send us some questions please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already. Leave us a good review if you can be so kind. And if you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.